Welcome to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage with an affordable price tag? Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They've been protecting Tennesseans for 75 years. Welcome to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast. I'm Amy Wells. Mac is here too and it is the day before Thanksgiving. Recording this a little early this week due to the holiday but we wanted to make sure we got it in and we said hi hello to everybody before they take some time with their families, right? Happy Thanksgiving to our 2 million listeners and your families. <laughs> it's a lot of turkey for 2 million listeners. It happy, is a lot of happy turkey. Happy Thanksgiving. So the Titans are getting ready to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. They are coming off of a Thursday night win over the Green Bay Packers. They are now 7-3 and three this season, still 3-0 and oh in the division. Mac, what makes this team so successful to be at this seven and three mark at this point in the season well they're able to the, their mindset they're able to overcome any obstacle that's put in front of them they're still you know have uh, some of the most uh, games missed by starters in this league right now you know the same way we were last year but it doesn't bother this team the mindset that Mike Vrabel has installed in this team and the culture of this locker room it doesn't really matter what the circumstances are they just find ways to win a game and we've talked about this team being a find-a-way team for a long time this season, but we experienced it last season, too, with a 12-5 and record under the same circumstances. So it's a mindset, and everybody has to buy into the, to the culture, and especially the locker room has to buy in. You know, a coach can uh, talk till he's blue in the face about things that are important, but unless the players buy into it, then it really is pretty empty. They completely buy in here, and that's why they're able to do what they do. Now, there was an interesting article that I read. It was published in The Athletic on Monday, and um, it's written by Mike Sando, kind of his weekly article. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he talks about is Mike Vrabel as a coach, but also as a game manager. What is it about the way that he manages the game and the situations that come up within a game that you like so much, having been in that position before? Oh, Mike Vrabel's good at football. And he's good at real football, not all this peripheral stuff that is around football. He understands the nuances of the game. There are a lot of things that you can do. Uh, I'm, I've been very fortunate with the coaches I have coached with uh, that I have learned from and that I took a lot of things from. Uh, you know, Mike Ditka was like this. Jeff Fisher was the quintessential like this. Mike Vrabel is like this. They understand the game within the game. There's a game within the game that you have to understand, but you have to know how to uh, deploy it, and you also have to recognize circumstances when they come up. There are a lot of things that come up in ball games that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're really not uh, – indoctrinated into what they are you miss it and and Mike Vrabel gets all the nuances of the game there there there's a lot of clock management there are things that you can do to work a clock with very specific things there are things that you can do when you're watching tape and find out individuals on that you're playing against that you can use certain techniques to pick on them uh you know and and be able to use their flaws to your advantage he finds all of that stuff and that's very very important we used to call it when we were watching tape you know when I was a defensive coach we'd call it bird rabbit keys being able to see when there were tales of, of, of things that people are doing and also there are some things that you can do that you know within the context of the rules they study they study the officials and officials are humans, too. And, and, and I've studied officials my whole career and know that there are some that, that have, uh, have more of a proclivity to call certain 
fouls than other fouls, you use that to your advantage. And it's not it's not that you're it's not that you're circumventing the rules. You are just using the game as it comes to you. He's a master at that. Do you think that that is in part due to the fact that he has been associated with this game in a, in multiple different roles? He's been a player. He's been a position coach. He's been a coordinator. I mean, he has seen every facet of this game. Does that make him more well-versed in the rules and the scenarios that come up? Well, the only way it does is if you pay attention, you know, because there's – I mean, he played for Bill Belichick, and he was a major, major force on Bill Belichick's championship teams. Bill Belichick is a master of this. Now, I am sure there are a lot of players that played on those championship teams that had no idea <laughs> – of some of the things that happened. Mike Vrabel paid attention to every one of them. So the answer to your question is yes, but he paid attention to make sure he gathered all of that information for himself. And for players, it must be um, especially nice to be, co- to be playing for a coach who plays attention to those details and who is able to put you in the best possible scenario as a coach. Does that make sense? When, when a coach gives a, a game plan to a team, they have to have complete confidence that everything that he is saying is going to help them win a game, whether it's as a group, whether it's as an individual, or whether it, you know, what it, it, involves, it involves the game within the game, as I said. And so when he is presenting all of these things, as he does every week, you start off with a plan every week, that he presents to the football team, they buy into it. And there's a theme every week when they play somebody. And there, there are certain specifics. And, and, and it's, not like a whole, it's not like a list as long as your arm of things that we have to do to be able to win this game or to give us a chance to win this game. It's four or five major bullet points that he will make. But to under, those things have to be relevant. You can't just throw out there, we've got to score more points than they do. I mean, that's not a bullet point. That's a given. He, he finds things, details, and that's what it comes to. But players appreciate details. What professional players want from a coach is something that is going to help them be successful week in and week out. They don't need a lot of rah-rah stuff from him, and they don't need a lot of fluff. They don't need any of that. They, you know, th- these are professional players. Uh, I learned that very quickly in, in my 30-plus years of coaching in this league. They want something significant. And if you don't give them something significant, then they quit listening. They listen to Mike Vrabel because he gives them something significant every week. And then we get to watch practice, and we see how, you know, how – uh, technique sound he is and but plus he's hands-on and he can show them but then he can also I mean I, I'm sure that he and Stretch take a lot of film from around the league a lot of film from around the league and say hey here's time management here here's what we're talking about here here's how this game went from being good for this team to being bad for this team it flipped on this event here all of those things they do and that takes work, but it also you have to be intelligent enough to know what you're looking for to present. Now, leadership kind of trickles from the top down, and Mike Vrabel's so sound and such a good leader. Trickles down to a guy like Ryan Tannehill, who is having another fantastic season. What are you seeing in him in the 2022 season, Mac, that you like? Well, everything. I mean, I've liked this guy since he started. I mean, first of all, he's a West Texas guy, so I've got to like him a lot. <laughs> 
But, I mean, this guy's an athlete, but he's got mental and physical toughness. And you look around the league, I mean, just, just look at what's going on. I won't mention the team, but just look at what's going on around some quarterbacks that won't take any, you know, they won't take responsibility for anything that goes wrong. Well, that's the first way to lose a locker room. Ryan Tannehill is, is not only a leader. He demonstrates just by the way he prepares and practices. And, and he's, you know – when you have someone like that at, at quarterback, and I'm, I've been I've been fortunate to be around quarterbacks in my coaching career that just had that. They took all the responsibility on themselves, and they also, you know, would would stand in front of the team and say, "We can do this," and here's what I'm going to do to help. Jim McMahon was like that. Jake Plummer was like that. I mean, these guys. Steve McNair was like that when I was here, and Ryan Tannehill's exactly like that. And plus, I mean, he produces. And look. No quarterback's ever going to be flawless. This is a quarterback is a really difficult position to play in professional football because everything is set up defensively to try to crush you. I mean, that's just the way it is. But he's he's shown physical and mental toughness throughout his career here, and he's put up enough more wins than I mean, more or as close to wins as some of the quote elite quarterbacks that people think are in this league. So. I'm really happy he's our quarterback. Well, I had a chance to sit down and talk with Ryan Tannehill about kind of his leadership style and some of those traits that you just uh, laid out. So here's my conversation with Ryan Tannehill. So, Ryan, I saw you in the game against Washington, and you were hit a lot. That's just kind of what happened that game. But I was struck by the fact that I've seen other quarterbacks having a similar type of day start to get pretty frustrated and get really angry either with themselves or with their teammates. That never happened for you. You were always positive. You were always encouraging the other guys on the sideline. Is that something that you've had to work at as a leader or is that just kind of your disposition as a player, as a person, as a leader? I think it's just knowing who you're working with, right? Some guys. They respond better to you kind of getting on them and, and being kind of hard on them. And some guys don't respond to that well at all. They'll sh- actually shut down and go the other way. So just knowing who you're working with and, and how guys respond and, and what they need. So, you know, it just felt like in that moment, it was better to be on the encouraging side and, and try to pump their tires a little bit and, and get some, um, some confidence and some positivity going that, uh, that I had faith in them and we just need to go out and do our jobs. Is that a skill set that you've had to work on over your career, kind of figuring out how to read the room almost and figure out what works best for what guy? Yeah, no doubt. It's something that, you know, you're constantly working to, to build those relationships, um, you know, grow as a leader in, in everything you do. And, and part of that is building those relationships, understanding guys and, and how they function, what makes them tick, how they respond to certain types of coaching or, uh, or encouragement or praise. And uh, just using that to help motivate, because at the end of the day, uh, we're all in this thing together, and it's my job to, to go out there and try to help every guy that steps on the field play their best football. That's a lot of extra work almost that you have to do for your position that other positions maybe don't have to worry about. Obviously, you have to know the offense. You have to have that understanding. But you also have to have an understanding of the guys you're playing with, how they respond best to different coaching or conversations. You have to have an understanding of the circumstances this team is experiencing as a whole. That's a lot mentally to have on your plate. How do you balance all of that? Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, it's uh, something that it's gotten a little bit easier over time. You know, just being in a lot of different situations over the course of 11 years now, 
uh, experiencing a lot of different coaches, a lot of different players, situations. And um, so at this point in my career, it's like, you know, not too much is new in that regard. You know, obviously new people, but just as far as situations and, and things you go through over the course of the season, you know, I've been through most, most things so far at this point. So uh, you learn from all those experiences you had in the past and you're able to, to use that, that learning experience and the next time it comes up, you know how to handle it. You mentioned you're in year 11. Not only does that make you one of the veteran guys on the team, it makes you one of the older guys in the room, just in the locker room. Um, does that help you at all, be in a leadership position, being an older guy? Maybe it does. I still feel young, though. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm, I'm probably one of the older guys in the locker room, but I feel young, uh, most days that is. Um, you know, I still love coming to work. I love being around uh, the guys in, in the locker room and, and all the different personalities and everything that, that goes along with it. So, um, yeah, maybe one of the older guys, but I still feel young, and, and no doubt they keep me young. As we approach the change in seasons, is there a change in football as well? November, December time. Does the actual football that you're experiencing on the field change a little bit? Maybe a little bit. You know, slow, kind of as a slow, gradual thing as the season goes on. You know, I think as you've seen, like teams that can play physical football into January, late, late in the season, into the playoffs, uh, and run the ball well and play physical defense, uh, typically over the course of history have have done done well you know as the season goes on goes on so um i think that fits us well fits fits what we like to do well we just have to keep improving you know it's been a uh, a decent start to the season just have to keep improving and um want to be playing our best football as you get into those colder months do you have to adjust the way that you prepare throughout the week to accommodate for maybe more physical games on sundays i mean you as the season goes on just more things come up with your body right you're dealing with with more things, the things can kind of start to stack up if you let them. So you want to make sure you're staying on top of your recovery, staying on top of, of any treatment, any injuries that pop up throughout the season. It's, it's pretty much constantly something. So um, just being able to heal from those things and, uh, and be intentional about getting the treatment you need so that you feel good going into Sunday and, um, and not letting those injuries stack up. On a national level, the conversation around Ryan Tannehill this year has been more and more about the swag that you seem to have this year. And I don't want to devalue any previous swag that you might have had, but it seems like maybe you have a little bit more this year. Is that a confidence maybe that people are seeing? Or is there something extra going on in Ryan Tannehill in season 11? I don't feel a whole lot different. Um, you know, I'm confident in, in my, my abilities, confident in the guys around me. And that allows you to go play confidently is when you believe the guys around you are going to be doing their job, uh, whether it's getting open or, or blocking in front of you, whatever the case may be. When you trust the guys around you, you're able to go out and have fun and, and play loose. And I think when we all can do that collectively, that's when we're at our best. It seems like this locker room is incredibly close. The culture here seems to be the strongest that I've personally seen it in a very long time. Yeah, no doubt. It's something we put a lot of thought and attention into. And, you know, as the season goes on, it, it just intensifies, right? You get closer, you go through these experiences these emotional experiences of games where it's a close game and an offense needed to make a play and we make a play or defense needed to make a big stop and they make a big stop and, and uh, help us to secure the win. So those those situations where, you know, you're in an emotional situation, it's high stress situation and you're able to collectively as a group come away with a win, it just brings you uh, so much closer together. So you start stacking those things up over the course of a season and um, yeah, no doubt about it, it really brings the locker room together. 
does it help that you seem to be so calm and even keeled throughout the highs and lows of not just a game, but a season as a whole? I try to be, you know, I try to be consistent each and every day, you know, coming in, whether we're coming off a great game or, or a tough game, uh, just coming in, um, trying to push myself, push the guys around me, make the corrections and, and get ready to go each and every week because it doesn't matter what you did last week. It's all about what you're going to do this week. He's just a good dude. Just overall a good human being. Well, and plus he's, he's a responsible human being. He's very responsible, and that's what you need. I mean, you don't need somebody as a quarterback in this league as critical as that position is that's a wing nut. I mean, you just don't. I mean, you need somebody that's stable and somebody that gets it on all phases. Ryan Tannehill, I mean, he's one of my favorites for a lot of reasons. The Titans are getting ready to take on the Cincinnati Bengals in a game that means a lot to a lot of Titans fans um, because the last time we saw the Bengals, it was a little gut-wrenching. Don't think that that plays a part in the Titans' preparation, but for Titans fans, it's a thing. Well, yeah, but it's not a revenge game for the players. Half of these guys weren't here. Yeah. Half of these guys weren't here. And plus, you know, a revenge is something that if if you get it to your side, then you, you're able to erase what happened. You'll never erase what happened. That happened. That's done. That's done. This game is important because it's an AFC game. And in November is when the National Football League season starts. Right. If you've positioned yourself in November to be able to have a chance to get in the tournament, now's when it starts. This is one of the contenders in the AFC and this is an AFC game. This is going to be important for to get into the tournament. It's important for seeding. It's an important ball game. And the fact that you got beat by them 1916 in the previous year, I mean, really has no bearing on this game. They've got some different people, too. I mean, they went out and got some new off, three different offensive linemen. Their quarterback's the same, which is a problem. I mean, he, he's – He's, he's going to be an issue because he's a, they've got a, an excellent explosive offense. But as far as a revenge game, because you'll get more satisfaction because now that you're going to beat them because they beat you how many months ago, that's not part of it. Safe to say Nissan Stadium is going to be rocking and rolling. Though. Oh, well, th- it's going to be a huge – because it's a huge game. It's a big game against two quality AFC opponents, which is what you want. If you're not playing meaningful games at this time of year – it means you're bad. Well, it means things haven't gone real well. Yeah. Yeah, so this is where you want to be. You want to be in this type of position. Now, there's not a lot of football to preview, per se, because it's still really early in the week. Again, we're recording this a little bit earlier than we normally do. We haven't seen an injury report yet. So there's a lot of things that we just don't know because we don't know. But overall, as a general kind of 30,000 feet view. Tell me a little bit about the Cincinnati Bengals and what they've got going this year, starting with Joe Burrow. It starts and ends with him. I mean, he's the he's the key, and they've got real weapons. Now, Jamar Chase, you know, the, their, their top receiver, he's been out. They, they purposely, uh, Amy, did not put him on injured reserve when he got hurt because uh, that would mean he'd be out four weeks, which would mean he would miss this game for sure. They kept him out of injured reserve so that he could possibly come back for this game, knowing the importance of this ball game, you know, to their franchise. They've also got, they've got, they've got some weapons on offense. This guy has, has thrown you know, for more explosive plays, you know, than anybody in the league. And he's got, he's got six receivers that, that have explosive play ability. And the last week, I mean, they started using the running back, so my J.P. Ryan, 
even more, throwing three receiving touchdowns. So you've got to defend the whole field. And Joe Burrow is one of the best scanning quarterbacks in the league. He's not just a one-read guy, you know, and, and he will sit and manipulate a pocket. He won't – a lot of quarterbacks, when, they, when it, it gets foggy for them, when they're looking at it, they'll bail a pocket. He won't bail a pocket. He will stay, you know, focused downfield. He's thrown to third and fourth uh, reads. Uh, he makes it really, really difficult. I mean, they are a very, very uh, explosive offense, but they can also play the chain game. They can, you know, because of all the, the targets that he has, he can move it around and move. So you've got to play really on-point defense against this group. Uh, the last time we played him, sacked him nine times. He was still able to come back and do something. So you've got to stay on point the whole time against him, both on the front end and the back end. Explosive plays are something that they are just ripping this season. Yes, they are. Tell me a little bit about their defense. Their defense got back their their big hog in the middle, DJ Reader, and he's a dude. I mean, he's the guy that really makes that thing work in the middle. We always talk about collapsing a cylinder, being able to work the center guard triangle. Now he helps them. They've got two edge guys that that can really rush. We know that. They've lost their best corner, you know, you know, for the year, but they're 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 secondary and and this this defense, Amy, when you've got an offense that's putting up that many points on a regular basis, you can call defenses a little bit different behind that. And they, they play a really good brand of complementary defense to their offense. So it's got to be good for the Tennessee Titans that coming off of their highest scoring game of the season, hopefully they'll be able to generate some points on the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, they, the first thing they, they need to do is they need to possess the ball. You cannot afford to give this quarterback any more extra series. You just can't. And, and you do that by going three and out. You cannot afford that. that. That's something that cannot happen against because the number of series that this group gets correlates just in a ratio to how many points they put up. You can just, watch, you can just look at the whole season. Go back and watch tape on the whole season. You've got to possess the ball against these people, and you've got to be able to move the chains on your part. You're going to have to score points, but the big thing you've got to do is, is possess the football first so that you're not turning it back to them so many times that they can start taking those shots at you. Well, time of possession is something that the Titans have consistently gotten better at over the season. Hopefully that trend continues. Well, I mean, the only way that you do that is if you've got to make each play work. That's what has to happen. And the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be no different than any other team that plays against Derrick Henry. They're going to put all the people they can when they get off the bus at the stadium up on the line of scrimmage. <laughs> and so we're going to have to make that work. you got to make that work. Against the Packers, we made it work. They ran a six-man line. We made it work. We hit it with explosive plays down the field with some really good protection. We've got to be able to get that game plan integrated this week, too. The Titans potentially, again, we haven't seen an injury report yet, but have some injured players that they're watching. Ben Jones didn't play on Thursday night against the Bengal or on Thursday night against the Packers. Because of a concussion, we're waiting to see how he progresses through the protocol. But Aaron Brewer stepped up and did a decent job. Or did a good job. He really did a good job. And, and that was a – that was a. I mean, we all said it when we were, you know, getting ready for the game. This is a big environment, especially for a new center 
to be able to, you know, to, to help make the calls and do some things against a defense that was really stacked. And they had, you know, there were some changes at the line of scrimmage. And so he, he uh, and Ryan Tannehill worked very well together as far as getting us into the right place. I thought Aaron Brewer did a really nice job playing center against the Packers. Other guys that were watching, Randy Bullock did not kick against the Packers, um, watching to see what is going to happen within the kicking game. We just don't know at this point. Uh, Danico Autry went out with an injury against the Packers, seemed to be a knee issue. That's what Mike Vrabel said, I believe. Vrabel said it was a knee. Seemed to be a knee issue. Um, how do you fill the void left by a Danico Autry in the event that he can well, go be on hard. Sunday? I mean, you know, we, we played a game, uh, you know, without Big Jeff and without Bud Dupree, but Danico Autry's always been there. We've never been missing, you know, we've never been missing all three of those guys. And, 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 and as, you know, with Harold Landry going out as early as he did before the season even started, you're already trying to, to double up to catch up there on that defensive front that is such a strength for this team. And Nico Autry has, has been so versatile for this defense because he doesn't just play one position. He plays multiple positions across the front, and that gives you a lot of leeway making defensive calls. So it, it'd be, it's going to be tough if he's not able to play. A lot of things to watch in the secondary, too. Christian Fulton left the Packers game with a hamstring. Elijah Molden didn't play. Imani Hooker, someone that we're keeping an eye on. So there's a lot of things that we're still watching, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Well, yeah. I mean, you've got you've got players that hurt. But, you know, this, this team has worked through – they worked through 91 last year, and they're approaching that number again this year. They found a way, and we just keep saying, you know, you find a way. So there's no magic formula to it, but you've got to, the people that come in, that first of all, they have to be coached up. They have to be able to absorb the coaching. Then they have to be able to perform on the field. So far, it's worked, and we're, hopefully we can – and I keep saying this, this time of year, the biggest thing that will help this football team that we all need, get our dudes back. Because when you get all your dudes, you're a pretty good football team. Well, I'm excited to see as many dudes as we've got on the field this Sunday, Nissan Stadium, 12 o'clock, which is my safe space when it comes to football games and timing, at home at noon. That is where I feel the most comfortable. Well, I mean, it's a it's it it's it's in the Bible that God meant for National <laughs> Football League to be played on Sunday at noon. It's the best. It's the best. Yes. Yeah, so very excited. Um, one thing that I want to mention because we said earlier that Nissan Stadium is going to be rocking and rolling, which is one hundred percent true. But it's also the playmakers game, and so. I just wanted to make sure everybody knows what that is and what to kind of keep your eyes out for because there's going to be a lot of Easter eggs throughout the game. Um, but the Playmakers game is something that the Titans started doing in 2021, and it highlights women who are influential and trailblazing women throughout the Nashville community. It's not just Titans-specific. It is larger than that. So there is going to be a bunch of different activations, different ways that we're just celebrating key women throughout our city. This is something that is really big to Amy Adams Drunk. She was kind of the one that championed this whole thing. And uh, so just something I wanted to point out to make sure that people are kind of aware of and looking out for because there's going to be a lot of different things, including our 12th Titan, who is Glenda Glover. There's just a lot of different things to be looking out for. It's going to be a really big day. So uh, just be aware of that. Something to watch. Well, the Titans, uh, you know, under Amy Adams Strunk are completely immersed, not only in this community, but in the state of Tennessee. And so that's that's fabulous. And those all of those all of those things that the Titans champion are very, very important things. Yeah. 
So that's just another little thing on top of everything else. But it's really going to be a great, a great Sunday. I think the weather is going to be nice. Like, there's just so many things that I'm so excited about for this Titans and Bengals matchup after Thanksgiving. No, you're excited for your turkey day. That's what you're excited for. Well, I'm excited for that, too. Yes. I've, uh, yes. I mean, We're doing this before turkey day, so you got to be honest and say you're excited for your turkey day. I am excited for my turkey day. There you day. go. You said I'm it. I'm excited for good food. There you go. And you I'm, said it. Mac, I think I'm doing homemade donuts, which feels ambitious, but I think I'm going to do it. That's impressive. Right? No, that that is impressive. We'll see if it turns out this could be a huge disaster. The, no, see, don't go into it thinking that. Well, don't, I, I don't just want to be realistic. Don't go thinking you're going to blow up the stove. Don't yeah, go uh, into it thinking you're going to do that. Well, just keep the hot grease away from yourself. Yeah, I just, I, I think it's going to be good. I, I've done a lot of studying regarding my you're prepared my donut making um you're prepared yeah well i'll let you know how it goes but i'm trying to add a little something zesty to the day and i thought homemade donuts i can't think of anything more zesty for a thanksgiving <laughs> than a homemade donut that's I what like i was that. thinking no, right like no no you're on you're on point <laughs> all right mac do you have big thanksgiving plans yeah i always do Well, that's everything. Good. Everything I do is a big plan. That's true. That's actually real. All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving, Mac. Happy Thanksgiving to our two million listeners. Yes. We are so thankful for all of you, and we cannot wait to see you at Nissan Stadium this Sunday as the Titans take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Kickoff for that game, just as God intended, is at <laughs> noon. For Coach Mac, I'm Titans Amy. Thanks for tuning in to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast.